Now playing. Can love really survive like mummification? Movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello, you goddamn fantastic people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Cues, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Sam, and I am joined this week by one of my usuals, incredibly hungover, but looking amazing. It's Liz, how are you, Liz? I hate you. I hate him, listeners. <laughs> I hate him so much. He's being sarcastic. To keep the sarcasm up, you definitely have my sympathy for something that's self-inflicted. Well done, Liz. Well done. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that, Sam. You dick. <laughs> Love you too, babes. And that moves me over to our other guest. Uh, she's a hit piece of ass, and I'm not sexually objectifying her. She told me to call her that. It's M from Verbal Diorama. How are you doing, Em? I think you broke her. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I, hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, it is, hello. It's... it's <laughs> Uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to literally put a curse on uh, movie reviews and 20 cues unless you let me back. So it was basically, you know, forced. And I was like, and, uh, you know, I want to talk about this movie as well because it's all about curses and stuff. But <laughs> uh, I, I actually completely forgot that I the whole <laughs> that you were going to introduce me that way. <laughs> so it's taken me a bit by surprise. But um, yeah, it's I, not a I, standard. I it's not a standard that he uses on everyone. You know, you should feel very special. You are. Well, the thing is, is I, I mean, I am a hit piece of ass. This, this <laughs> is the thing. I, I described myself to Sam as a hit piece of ass. But you know, I'm absolutely delighted to be to be back on this wonderful podcast with the you know the amazing, the incredible, the fantastic, the you know intellectual host that is Liz. Um, and and Sam, it's, uh, it's, it's, suppose it's all right that you're here as well. Oh, thank you. And yeah, you're an amazing <laughs> podcaster, Em. We couldn't wait to get you back on. You're not a hit it and quit it piece of ass. You're more of a like hit it and keep hitting it. So we were glad to have you back. <laughs> well, I, I like mean... that you're hitting this dead horse as much as you can. That's all I've got. <laughs> That's all I've got. <laughs> Um, this is a podcast on The Mummy, which happens to be one of M's favourite films. Came out in 2017, yeah. starring Tom Cruise and Sophia Bidou. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. to right, Cruise. that's it. No, uh, right, cancel. Cancel this episode now. You've just seriously offended me. <laughs> yeah. That awesome. is like... If you guys would like to get that, a hold of us, you can like find us at Movie Using the worst years. word ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, now we're doing the 1999 film starring Brendan Fraser as Rick O'Connell, Rich Weiss as Evelyn Carnahan, John Hanna as Jonathan Carnahan, Arnold Vosloo as Imhotep, Kevin O'Connor as Benny, Jonathan Hyde as Dr. Alan Chamberlain, Oded Fahir as Ardev Bay, and Eric Avari as Dr. Terence Bay. Written directed by Stephen Summers, has a score of 48% on Metacritic, 61% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 7 out of so 10 low. on IMDb. Oh, showing your cards early there. Ridic- ridiculously low. Uh, I am offended by these critics. Ooh, well, this is going to be an interesting podcast, listeners. Oh, this is going to be an interesting <laughs> podcast. Uh, if mm-hmm. you haven't seen the film, it's basically all about adventurer Rick O'Connell and Egypt- Egyptologist Evelyn, along with a bunch of archaeologists. Inadvertently waking up an evil mummy during archaeological excavation at the ancient city of Hamanaptra. And yeah, basically shit turns sideways and they have to f- try and stop the mummy before he resurrects his dead uh, lover, probably lover, 
before he resurrects his dead lover and then takes over the world. But enough about that. Why don't we get into what we normally do on the show, which is ask any questions about the film. The one that we start with is the compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, one thing good about this film. And then we move through nine other questions that can be applied to any film before finishing on three questions each about the film that we thought of while watching it. And uh, listen to the question. It's back. It's back. Just for you guys. It's back because we're almost back to recording an episode and having it come out that following week. So, M, you're a guest. You're a guest. It's one of your favorite films. Why don't you start us off? Why don't you give us your compliment, shit, or potentially hyperbole sandwich? I think you know where I'm going to go with this. I would go as far as to say it's the greatest movie ever made. Holy uh, shit! Yeah, yeah. I adore this movie. I've seen it probably like 3,000 times at least. So yeah, I'm going full hyperbole. Whoa! So um, the first thing um, about The Mummy is, uh, to me, it is the perfect genre blend. So a lot of movies really struggle, especially when they're covering multiple genres. So this movie covers five genres uh, of film. So it covers horror, comedy, romance, action and adventure. And the one thing that I think is just amazing about this movie is that all of those genres are blended perfectly. Each of those genres is given uh, enough time and enough material. The second thing is the chemistry between Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz is perfect. It's obviously going into the, the, the sort of romance aspect. And I think that their chemistry is just so fantastic. Um, it's one of the reasons why Tomb of the Dragon Emperor was shit, um, because <laughs> Rachel Weisz wasn't in it. And I'm sorry, but, you know, Rachel Weisz makes everything better. She's glorious. She's beautiful. She's perfect. She's a queen. And Brendan Fraser, 90s Brendan Fraser was the best Brendan Fraser. <laughs> uh, and together, uh, I, I just, they are electric together. And finally, talking of Rachel Weisz, I have to give this movie serious props for Evie. She is a great example of a really fantastic female heroine. You know, she's capable, she's smart, she knows, she knows everything. This movie would not work without Evie. Mm. Um, she saves Rick's ass constantly. And also, the other thing that I love about her is she's, she's actually biracial. And although Rachel Voice is not biracial, uh, the character has an English father and an Egyptian mother. And, you know, you don't see characters, female characters like her that are smart, tough, beautiful, biracial female characters that are as, as kind of well-rounded and interesting as her. You, you rarely see it nowadays, let alone in the 90s. I, I, I genuinely feel like this movie is kind of so ahead of its time. Okay, as a score out of 10,000 Scarab Beatles. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I did tease to Sam that I was going to give it quite a high score. But I'm, I'm going to give this two billion Scarab Beetles. Wow. I'm going to give it a billion for Rick and another billion for Evie. <laughs> I love how if we did every single podcast that we've done and when they had a ranking over the three hosts of what the highest ranked film was, even if me and Liz now gave this a zero, this would still be one of the highest ranked films <laughs> of all of ours. <laughs> Well, I'm, not, I'm not even sorry. Good. I'm not even Don't sorry. Be. Don't fucking be. Be unapologetic in your love for a film. I fucking love, love it. Love it. Yeah. Even can if I don't I... agree, and someone else might not agree, and she's about to talk. <laughs> can I? Can I talk now? Yes. Can I? Give my 
Because you, you might want to hang up this chat. <laughs> I got some debates on some of the stuff you said, I've got to say. So okay. I am going to start with some shit. <laughs> shit sandwich. What? I'm really sorry, what? but here we Seriously? go. Seriously. So I'm not, and my first shit is something that you were just uh, waxing lyrical about, which is Evie's character. I felt like she was this trope female. Like she's just. What? So they made her that clump. Oh, no, she's clumsy but beautiful. Just like me. Yeah, but I just kind of, it's so overdone, the whole, you know, beautiful woman. Oh, but I'm such a ditz and I, you know, um, I, so I'm not perfect. I've got this ridiculous flaw. I don't know. It just seemed really obvious. And also that um, she had the whole half a virgin, half a whore thing going on. You know, she's this perfect. Elegant girl who's, you know, they're very pure, but then, oh, she she loses all her clothes, so then she has to dress in, like, the belly dancer costume, and then she's got, like, the whore in the sheets thing going on. I was just like, oh, it's a bit predictable. I don't know. I just wasn't a fan. My compliment, however, is hey, no, no, no. Are you guys familiar with that Homer Simpson gif where he just fades into the bushes? Because I really wish I had bushes in my room right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can see you Literally backing away from your mind. Yeah. Death well, like, stairs is, going is Sam on right still now. here? Is Sam still in the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm giving a compliment now, so that's good. Okay, um, okay. Rachel Wise is amazing. Like, I just, yeah. She, um, I think she really owns Evie. And, um, and she's just, yeah, she's got that cuteness and that lovableness. And, yeah, I think she was wonderful. My other shit is that I just didn't feel like it was ahead of its time. I felt like it was behind its time. I said to Sam, it doesn't feel like it was made at the end of the 90s. It feels like it was made in the 80s. The graphics were terrible. And it was a couple of years after Independence Day. I was like, if you compare Independence Day and The Mummy, I felt like they, they were made in different decades. Like, I'm sorry. I just thought, I was just like, ooh, that's a bit rubbish. Sorry about that. I really am sorry. I would have loved to have loved this film as much as you. Like, I am literally just about to read from the Book of the Dead and put a curse on you. (laughs) I think she's already cursed him. I don't think you need to worry about that. (laughs) I'm feeling cursed. Like, this hangover is certainly not helping. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I've got to blame the hangover because I think if you didn't go out drinking last night, I think you would have loved this movie a lot more. Yeah, she hates everything. No, because I watched the movie before I went out drinking and I already had these opinions. She's offering you escape clauses here, Liz. Grab one of them. Grab one of them, Tim. I'm standing firm in my conviction, and I'm giving this movie a score of 3,912 Scarabitos. Look, some of it was okay. There was some funny bits, I suppose. Okay, okay. Sam, is it is it too late, Sam, to get another like, co-host? I mean, can we just <laughs> I tried to bow right out earlier this uh, no. morning. <laughs> Colby Mack tried to jump on this, so he sent a message about it and wanted to yeah! be on this. Colby! Get him on! Sorry, Colby, I right. to bail out and let Colby do it. No, so. look, we've got to have a round, well-rounded opinion about this. So now we've averaged it out at 1 billion out of 10,000. So, you know, like, <laughs> okay, still a yeah, positive yeah, score. Okay. okay, on to me. My first bad thing, and my only bad thing, Em. Sorry to wind you up like this. Cheeky shit. <laughs> yeah, my first bad thing. Uh, yeah, I just felt like it was a little bit too predictable in parts, and there was some common action-adventure tropes that I saw. But that being said, it's a genuinely fun action adventure and you do have some great twists and turns in it. Brendan Fraser is an amazing comedic actor. I don't think he's a very good sort of serious dramatic actor, which he tries to be in parts. But when he's like being stupid and making faces at the mummy and all that sort of stuff, I was like, I remember this guy. I remember loving this guy in the 90s. 
And it's kind of sad what happened to him in Hollywood. But um, yeah, there's there's some genuinely funny parts in there. And yeah, the good thing, I mean, we've already waxed poetical enough about her. Rachel Weisz, oh my God. Ah. Mm-hmm. Ah, the less said about her, the better, because otherwise this podcast will soon turn X-rated and no one under the age of 18. Well, no one really should be listening to me anyway, but nobody <laughs> will want to listen to this podcast. But she is just, she's phenomenal. She carries herself with a presence that's like sort of like old classic Hollywood, where as soon as she light, is on the screen, she lights it up. She makes you really engaged and interested in. She's honestly probably one of the most underrated actresses that we've had working over the last 20 years. And like even even the films, even at least at least popular films and even like, you know, even her poorer films, she's still one of the best things in those films, which I think is an amazing sort of tribute to her skills and abilities. And as a score out of 10,000 Scarabs, I'm going to go 7,040. So. All right. Lot, yeah. We've got a nice mixed I mean, group of opinions. Uh, uh, at least it's not like in the three thousands. I mean, at least at least you gave it a shot. You know, I just kind of feel like at least you're being fair about it, Sam. And like some people, uh... I'm being very fair. Okay, <laughs> I thought about this long and hard, and this is where we're like, at. I really tried you to have like long and hard. <laughs> all I can say, Em, is I'm very glad you've been listening because I've been watching your video and I've seen you in the back writing all these incantations and all this other stuff and reading from the Book of the Dead, trying to put a curse on Liz. So I'm glad that you were paying attention as well. It shows that women can multitask. Obviously, well done. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried about all the locusts that have started forming in Liz's room. That's a little bit fucking scary. <laughs> all that shit that's crawling up and down the back of her wall. But oh, this I think we should move on. Yes, before yeah, okay. she really. Oh, yeah, no, we're real. moving over to a question that I feel like Liz has already smashed the fuck out of. But you can do it anyway. It's, it's Julio from the Contrarians Podcast. You guys know the Contrarians Podcast. It's amazing. Those guys are awesome. They take a beloved film. They argue why it's shit. They take a uh, shitty film. They argue why it's awesome. And then they offer, you know, the real talk at the end where they actually go into their true opinions about this. Uh, what's your question, Liz? Question two is, what is your most controversial opinion about this film? Well, I feel like everything I've said thus far has been quite controversial. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to take it a bit further. And I'm going to say it's better than any Indiana Jones film. I was fucking knew this was coming and I've been preparing myself all morning. I've been waiting for this. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark is probably in my top five films of all time. I've been stealing myself. I've been reading myself. I'm fucking still hurts. <laughs> I've actually never seen any of the Indiana Jones films, which I find amazing and I don't oh, know why I haven't. You can fuck I- off as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that opinion. I, I will say you're half right because I will say this is two, better than two of the indie films. Temple of Doom and Crystal Skull are both pretty average. My main controversial opinion is I feel like they had the leads wrong in this. I feel like Brendan Fraser would have worked better as a sort of goofy sidekick character. And I reckon Oded Fear, who played RDF Bay, you know, the, the group of people that were protecting Harmonutra, I reckon he would have been a better lead. He There's something charismatic and engaging about him. And I've always been a big fan of his work, especially after the modern classic that is Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Like, he was easily one of the most outstanding <laughs> characters in that film. And I just, I, I, I would have preferred if he was the lead. You know, it, I don't know. It's just, just how I feel. Yeah, I really agree. He's very charismatic and there's just something Yeah, better. oh, absolutely. He's he more of a badass. And, like, Rick O'Connell was yeah. trying to be like that in some scenes. And I feel like he would have played that role a bit better. But, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, okay. I, I, can, I can definitely understand where you're coming from. And I, and I think, you know, Oded Fair... I mean, what a guy. He's mm. so attractive. Yeah. And yeah. I, looked, I was like, what what he looks like now? And I looked at I found a picture of him on like Wikipedia and I was like, Jesus Christ. Silver like, Fox. A, he's not aged. And B, yeah. so hot. Yeah, yeah. Like, 
Because oh, yeah. one of the one of the things about him was that they they wanted to like have that character with like a full face tattoo, and then Odette Fair comes in, and they're like, "Nah, this guy's far too attractive for a full face tattoo. Let's just have like a little bit of a tattoo on his face because he's hot. He is seriously hot. He's very hot." I went totally different to that, and it's actually kind of ties back into yet another one of your uh, compliments there. Oh no! About the genres. <laughs> it's actually not. It's the actually relationship not is over. <laughs> so the controversial nature of my opinion here is actually more that you'd probably be surprised to hear it coming from me, and that I think this film should have focused on being a horror more than action adventure. I don't like horror movies, generally speaking, but I feel like this one could have really embraced that side of it because they really went there a bunch in this film and had a whole bunch of quite disturbing imagery and you know people melting and stuff and I thought well you should just grab onto that more and and focus on that more than the actiony bits because I think those were the more predictable parts whereas the horror stuff was wasn't necessarily yeah totally agree like that bit with the scarab claws under the guy's skin and then he goes running around and then head first into a wall that was like i legitimately forgot how fucking terrifying parts of these films uh, part of this film is this is over to question number three what is it there m question three is what song would you have inserted into this film and where uh yeah i mean this one's an easy one for me it would be blink Man two song all the small things <laughs> and the scarabs are coming <laughs> Just because Liz loves that song. It would have been where all the scarabs come up out of the ground. Perfect time for Blink-182's All the Small Things. The other one that I was using not to troll Liz is I was going to go for the most blatant use of it. And it would have been Kenny um, Rogers' The Gambler when they're on the boat and they're all gambling. I mean, that would have just made sense. Fair enough. Mine's the same sort of time when they're on the boat. But I'm going with a dance scene. They should have put in Rick and Evie dancing to Monster Mash. Oh, Jesus <laughs> This is why we don't make movies. Send in the monster mash. Come on, it was a graveyard smash. They should have had a plane right at the end after they survived. It's just like them. Yeah, dancing. that might have been better actually yeah. if they had it just. Yeah, Do you know what? <laughs> I was actually really worried because. I had the idea for mine really randomly. And then I thought, no, this is too obvious. Like, and in my head, I was like, someone's going to pick this. <laughs> so I was like listening to you guys just then going, one of them's going to say it. This is so obvious. One of them's going to say it. And then I'm just like, I'm the relief that's kind of rushing over me right now that neither of you have said it. Um, <laughs> okay, so we've got to know <laughs> what it is. Now. Yeah. I know, I know. I, I'm building it up. Just give me a chance, all right? Just like... <laughs> Back off! Like, just, you know, if you hate this movie, back <laughs> off. Just leave leave me to build up the tension, okay? It, okay, it's a 90s, like, trance track. I think it's trance. Yeah. Um. So my choice is Urban Cookie Collective's The Key, The Secret. Oh, I've got the key, I've got the secret. I, I know. And it basically just repeats. I don't know if you know the song. I know the song that you you're thinking of, but I know the one that Liz is immediately thought of, which is Darude Sandstorm. Yes! Yes! <laughs> That's exactly what I thought you were going to say. Was oh, that would, be, that, would be a, that would be a great <laughs> one. <laughs> no, so I thought... That would be great with like, the big be face a, coming up in the... The sand! Yeah! Chasing the plane! Um, Fuck it! Oh, we're a bunch of... <laughs> Why didn't we think of that? Sand. Can we record this? Can we go back? <laughs> <laughs> no, I still want the monster so my, my my idea was the key, the secret from Urban Cookie Collective. And basically when Jonathan gets the key out of Imhotep's robes at the end and he goes, I've got the key, Evie. Uh, it then goes, I've got the key. I've got the secret. Because it is the key and the yeah. secret. And it's a key to a better place. 
So I'm like, damn, that works. Um, I'd like to point out that that last question was a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of the amazing man, this Chris Yeeney. Fuck you, the man, Chris. Glad that my book signed copies arrived to you. You're very special. Uh, but this next one is also a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of the amazing man, this is Dave Baker. Dave has his own Patreon as well at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. American version spelling of that. And he's got a ton of awesome content on there. You guys should all go check out. There'll be a link down in the show notes. And Dave has two questions for us at us this week. I thought to go one of the more more creative to think about sort of thing, which is which character from this film would have the biggest social media following and on what platform? Uh, the character with the biggest social media following would have been Imhotep and it would have been on Twitter. He would have had his own bot army because he could just get everyone following him and just saying whatever he wanted them to. So. Imhotep. Yeah. Imhotep. That's, that's a good point. I'm a genius, I know. So what about you, Ian? Oh, you're something you else, of? yeah. <laughs> Um, so mine would actually be uh, Anouk Moon. I think Anouk Moon would be like an Instagram model, like an influencer. She just looks like a model. Oh, 100%. And people love models, don't they? Mm-hmm. So. Obviously, I would know, as, as you would, Liz. Uh, I'm a model you know, idiot. So I know yeah, as well. Lots of people love it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, she'd also be good on OnlyFans. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think of OnlyFans. Uh, it, it, is OnlyFans like, is that tech cluster social media? Like? It kind of oh, is. I don't know, but I couldn't help myself. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't think of OnlyFans. But yeah, she probably would have a good OnlyFans uh, following as well. I, um, I reckon a lot of people would love to get social with her media on OnlyFans. Hmm. <laughs> I see what you did there. I don't. Got no uh, idea yeah, what I'm talking about. Work, but okay. Uh, I mean, the answer for me is Eve. She's an Egyptologist. She's also very cute and loving and adorable. And so I can imagine her doing YouTube videos on ancient Egyptian history. And it would be just rife with thousands of comments from horny dudes. Just like, oh, yeah, Yeah. tell me about your pyramids. Show me your sphinxes. But still, at the same time, she'd be incredibly popular. Yeah, that's totally fair. I kind of feel like a beautiful woman could say something completely intelligent and intellectual uh, obviously as as i personally know and um men just wouldn't really listen they'd just be like oh my god she's so pretty yeah i don't even know what you're saying right um, now Liam, so what <laughs> what a charmer <laughs> i know i know i get it i understand <laughs> <laughs> anywho let's move over to our next question also a patreon question comes courtesy of dan of netflix and swill Netflix and Swill being a podcast that covers all things Netflix related, does reviews, talks about trailers, talks about TV shows, talks about everything. Uh, what's the question there, Liz? All right. So the question number five is what subplot do you wish had been explored more? I wanted more of the actual love story between Imhotep and Anaxon and Moon. I kind of feel like it would have bloated the movie a little bit more and it was probably a little bit like, well, who cares? I want to know more about their love. I want to know, like, well, she was kind of forced to be with the Pharaoh. She didn't want to be with him. She was like his property. So she had no choice. And so I kind of feel like, well, how did her and Imhotep decide that they wanted to be together? And his love for this girl is so strong that it's carried on for like 3000 years. But I want to know, like, why is his love for her so strong? Like, what is it about it? Is she just a hit piece of ass? (laughs) Or is there more to their story? And I want to know more about their story. The one for me that I felt like they kind of skirted over a bit and it was probably would have been one of the more interesting parts of the movie is how Rick O'Connell got out of the Sahara, how he ended up in jail, and then how her brother stole this thing off him when he's in jail. Mm. I was like, 
that to me would have been a really interesting story. Like, first of all, his bro- her brother seems like a bumbling fucking idiot. And Rick O'Connell is like, you know, this kind of handsome, suave, awesome dude. How did he let himself get robbed? How did he let himself get robbed by John Hanna? I'll, I'll, that's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, fair call. I mean, it's true. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Mine's also about Rick, and I would have liked to see His penis. a bit more fleshy. No, <laughs> you disgusting man. Uh, I would have liked to see. You would, though. <laughs> Go away, both of you. Okay. I would have liked to peer down his tomb. <laughs> That was terrible. <laughs> Unearthed his crypt. His tomb and his crypt. These are th- holes, Sam. That would make more logic if you're talking about a woman. God damn it. Yes, that's a good point. Yes, continue. <laughs> I know I'm smarter than you. So I would have liked to see a little bit more on the relationship between Rick and Benny. You know, there's obviously Rick has had this long friendship with him, but Benny seems to keep fucking him over. And then like, you know, like when he sees him, he's all like, oh, you asshole and rah, rah, but then they hang out again. I don't know. It's just, it seems like they could have given a bit more information or like shown a bit of what, how they ended up at the front of that campaign together. And yeah, they were obviously good friends already. Yeah. I just think that would have been interesting. Fair enough. Uh, next question is also a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of the amazing woman that is Emily Higgins of the Tasteless podcast. I've talked about her enough on this podcast, but she's amazing. Go check out Tasteless. They're great. She is literally doing a series at the moment where she's taking my favourite films and shitting all over them and suggesting ones that are pretty average as being better than them. She's gone through The Matrix. She's gone through Star Wars. I can't wait to see what's next. Probably 12 Angry Men or Casa Blanca. One of these things is going to get fucking dunked on and I'm going to sit here crying and screaming at my phone and then move on because who really cares if people don't like your film that you like? AM, it doesn't matter. If somebody doesn't like a film you love, it's okay. You can still be friends with them. It's fine. <laughs> Good. Might be completely wrong and I mean, I'm, I'm saying that because because we're on a podcast and I, and I have to, but, you know, <laughs> after, after this is finished recording, me and you, Liz, we're, we're going to have serious words. Yes. <laughs> dead to me, right? Well, I'm dead to you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what's your Ties question in with the podcast. Yeah. So what side character would have the best spin-off movie? I mean, I've already mentioned him as Oled Fear and his Midjai. I can't remember how you call him. Yep, I've stolen Liz's answer. I can tell by her reaction. But, I mean, there's this group of, like, ancient warriors that protects this uh, Hamunaptra. It's As much as this is an action-adventure comedy, all that sort of stuff, you could make a very serious film out of them, maybe even, like, showing him as a younger boy fighting off other people back in the 1910s or, like, 1900s or whatever. Like, I would love to see that film. Yeah, basically just to echo what you said, definitely him. Um, he was, like I said, the, the breakout star of the movie for me. Yeah. And um, you could show him finding out about the secret and, you know, they might have some sort of ritual or something. Then that's when he gets the tattoos on his cheeks for, you know, when he learns about it, that kind of stuff. Uh, Well, we're three for three because my answer was also our death bay and the stories of the Magi. You know, they're, they're basically there to stop this from happening. So what have they been doing for the last 3000 years? But mainly I want to know more about our death bay and I want more Odeth Fair <laughs> because can you imagine? I bet he's got a massive sword, by the way. <laughs> there it um, is. There and- it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is and i reckon i reckon he's he and his massive sword you know fighting his way through the desert you know taking out all of these people trying to get to Hamanaptra, with him like hot sweaty you know he takes his shirt off mops okay his brow i think i've got to and- cut in here to keep this podcast like <laughs> from being like full-on turning to a porno yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
to dial it back into I just, his. I just think it'd be perfect. To dial it back into his badassness. Like the, my favorite part was seeing that he's still alive at the end. Like the, oh fucking a. the fact that he ran into yeah. this tunnel with a stick of dynamite and was just like get the fuck out of here I'll take care of these guys and then just pops up at the end he's like oh hello everybody I was like I want to see hello. that shit man fuck that yeah. must have been epic yep I really oh. made a note like wait he's still alive what a fucking legend exactly like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was really impressed he's the MVP. Anywho, moves us over to another Patreon question, the last of our Patreon questions. This question comes courtesy of the amazing man that is Nick Haskins of Mr. Nikolai's Kitchen. Go check out his food podcast. It, you know, it's awesome. Also, check it, like, follow his Instagram. Follow his Instagram, especially at about 5.30 when you are getting ready to, like, think of something to make for dinner. Because he'll have some great suggestion that will literally make your dinner look like shit. It's phenomenal. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> awesome. Anyway, uh, well, his question that he throws at us is, how could this movie have been rewritten into a Shakespearean comedy or a tragedy? So I'm going with the tragedy, and it was pretty obvious to me because the whole thing with the Shakespearean tragedy is that the hero or heroine um, dies by their own uh, hubris or whatever. So yeah. for me, it would be if Rachel uh, Vice's character, if Evie died in this, in uh, you know, in the ritual, and Anuk Sunamun took over. And they sort of just ended the movie with Imhotep and um, Anuk Sunamun ruling over the world or whatever. That would be pretty bad. That would be pretty she, bad. She brought it on herself. She read the words out loud and she was like, oh, I've never believed in this. I'm going to just read this shit. How dumb. <laughs> so dumbass. I can't believe you're calling Evie a dumbass. <laughs> She's a dumbass. Don't fucking read the ancient curse out loud, for the love of I'm God. I'm biting my tongue. God, I have a comment about this coming up soon. and Pretty much exactly what yeah. Liz has said, but anyway. What about you, Em? What about you? Well, I feel like I took a bit of a cop-out with this question because, like, there's no way that it could be made different because it's perfect as it is. So I was a little bit like, well, can you rewrite the tragedy of this movie? Because the whole kind of still being in love with your ex after 3,000 years... <laughs> After she's killed herself and you've been killed, that's a bit like Romeo and Juliet, yeah. really, sort yeah. of, in a way. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that, because when I looked at the trivia, like Arnold Vosloo was a bit sort of apprehensive about playing this role, and then Stephen Summers approached him and said he wanted him to play it as basically like a Romeo and Juliet, but on the bad side, you know what I mean? Like he's Like it is Romeo and Juliet, but basically it's like an evil version of it, so that's what sort of signed him up to it. So you're right, it already is a Shakespearean film. Uh, the one for me, and I'm I'm going to like start talking here, and I'm pretty sure Em's probably going to be the only one that understands what I'm saying out of the people that are recording this podcast, but I'm sure there's some listeners out there that will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Fine, okay. But what I, what I want you guys to imagine is I want you to imagine if like we saw some scenes after this film where this cult had basically formed and they decided to resurrect Emotep because they maybe wanted him to fight like a scorpion king or something like that, and then we see the scorpion, scorpion king in CGI form and it's absolutely terrible. Like, Could you imagine that? And if you're wondering what the fuck I'm talking about, that's the plot of Is Mummy 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I even worked that out. Yay, Liz. I made it easy enough for Liz. <laughs> I haven't seen the film, but I guessed as much. <laughs> Just imagine that. Just imagine it. it sounds amazing. <laughs> it's literally like they gave us... it up already to watch. It's literally like they gave a seven-year-old with an open head wound a computer and said, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Microsoft Paint. Yeah, yeah. It's like draw, draw a Scorpion King in Microsoft Paint. Exactly. Let's see what it looks like. It's, it's awesome. Wow. It's like so shit. It's actually a bit shit. Yeah. Hey, have you <laughs> finished? I've only had two minutes um, to do it for a twenty-minute scene. Yeah, that'll do. Sweet as it, it will do it. <laughs> All right. 
Question eight is, what was the biggest dick move of the movie? There's a few. What have you got, Em? Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this because obviously this is this movie is pretty perfect. Um, but there is a particular dick move. And that is Rick kissing Evie at the jail. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I'm like, I'm like, look, okay, so this young woman is basically wanting to know the location of Hamanaptra. And you're like, well, I've got the information for you, but I'm not going to give it to you. And then you basically force a kiss on her. That Preach. was a complete dick move, and he should not have done that. Absolutely. Excellent. That was my number one with a bullet. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, my number two was pretty much everything Benny did at the start, like running off to desert him and then locking him out. But at the same time, I was like, Benny's just trying to keep himself alive. Like, sure, it's a bit of a dick move not to wait two seconds and then like let him into that crypt as well after him. But at the same time, he's just trying to look out for himself. And then Rick is pretty much just a dick to Benny for the rest of the fucking film. And the poor... Left him to die. Come on. Left him to die, threw him over the side of a boat. They're being dicks on dicks. You know, it's a bit of dick on dick action. (laughs) Love a bit of dick on dick action. Uh (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I would say my dick move would just pile some more dicks right in there because uh, mine is basically all of the colonialist fucks pilfering shit constantly throughout the film like i was just watching it just thinking the audacity of you fuckers just coming into egypt and going "Ooh, shiny i want it and like not giving a flying fuck about any of the egyptian culture or you know like the the curses and stuff and they're like "Ooh, this says we shouldn't open it it'll be really bad let's open it and steal everything inside like (laughs) just that whole thing to me is just insane i agree question number nine what deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? Okay, so I had a couple. I mean, I was sort of thinking about the colonialist um, pilfering shit uh, thing. But actually, what I settled on was Benny when he meets Imhotep and he's pulling out all the necklaces and like trying all his different religions on for size to see if any of them will help him. And it, at the time, I was like, oh, it's a bit shit to like be making fun of religion like that. But then I was like, Oh, maybe he's got a good idea, you know. Should we be hedging our bets, you know? Pop into a church tomorrow and then next Friday just maybe I should wander down to the mosque and then I should probably spend some time out with the, you know, Buddhists. Just, just you know, keeping all my options open, you know. We don't know what's out there, so. Um, the one for me is, like, if I was in Brendan Fraser's shoes and basically, you know, when they're with the French Foreign Army or French Foreign Legion, having a fight with the local Egyptians, and then I get pushed up against the statue of Anubis. And then as I go to leave, a giant face comes out of the sand and, like, snarls at me. Would I ever want to go back to Hamanaptra? And the answer is, fuck no. God, I don't want to go nowhere near that fucking place again. That would be the, like, like, sure, I would do anything to get myself out of Egyptian jail and face being hung. You know, I'm not very well hung as it is, so I don't want to be hung in a fucking court in front of a whole bunch of people. But at the same time, would I ever go back to that city? Fuck no. And wouldn't you warn everyone else off it too? You'd be like, look, nothing <laughs> good. Clearly, there's some dark magic happening there. You just want to stay the hell away. So he, he, here's what happened, guys. I got surrounded by 10 dudes with guns. I don't have anything. I had my hands up in the air. I was about to die. They all shat their pants and rode off. So I'm pretty sure we shouldn't go there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I heard there was a curse. <laughs> but then like, throughout the whole movie, like everyone's like, oh, there's a curse. There's a curse. Beware the curse. And then they're like, nah, it's fine. Um, so it's but I'm like, a fucking American. You know, all the warning signs are there. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's one of the things that I love about this movie is that, you know, most of the times people are stupid. But this is what pe- this is what colonial- 
will do to get this fucking treasure. Yeah. Like, they will yeah. literally, like, curse? What curse? Like, who cares about face curse? In the like, sand. We're Americans. Yeah, it was only a face. How big could it be? I've got gold fever. Now, if it was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. So what's your... People um, are stupid. What's your philosophical debate? Is it that people are stupid? <laughs> well, that that was almost it. But then, I guess because I'm quite invested in the romance i know i've mentioned like imhotep and anaxon moon a couple of times and one of the kind of recurring themes of this movie is the phrase death is only the beginning and so it got me thinking about death being the beginning and then it was like well okay that's that's a bit of a mindfuck thinking well okay death is only the beginning Ugh. what is death the beginning of you know well is it the beginning of life in imhotep's case it was you the know. beginning of three thousand years being eaten by scarab beetles so <laughs> well, this is the thing. That. So, like, <laughs> and like, okay, can can love really survive like mummification? If you heard that sentence out of context, if that was the only sentence you heard in the podcast, you'd just be like, "What the actual fuck?" I'm gonna play that before our theme song. I'm just gonna have it like randomly for no reason. <laughs> can love survive mummification? Coming up this week on movie reviews in twenty cues. Can love. <laughs> Can love really survive mummification? Um, and then if you... And so basically you go through mummification and then you're resurrected. And like, obviously, you know, love, blah, 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 whatever. But he really, really fancied her. Like he was like, she is the shit. Like this girl is everything. So, she's a hit piece of and ass. And that has sure. basically... <laughs> she's a complete hit piece of ass. And that love survived mummification. Like, is that really possible? Yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the looks on your faces are just like, what the fuck is she talking about? Smile, just fucking smile and nod. Yeah, yeah, smile and nod. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, 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 pretty much. That moves us over to question number 10. <laughs> Indeed, it does. Anyway, that does move us over to question number 10, which is making a return to this podcast. Uh, the question is what quote from this film would be the worst thing to hear after you finish having sex? Yeah, definitely not one for the last podcast. But there was a very clear uh, winner for me, and it was, what are you waiting for? Get out! Get out! <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Never good. What about you, Em? Do you know what? I had several options, um, but I'll go with my number one option, which is, come with me, my princess. It is time to make you mine forever. Oh, yeah, that's pretty bad. But it was like, you know, the whole kind of come with me. <laughs> Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) Oh, Prudish Liz is coming out. It's been a while since we've seen Prudish Liz. Hey, Prudish Liz. I just think it's nice to be a little bit proper. Is that a crime? Leave a little bit to the imagination. (laughs) Uh, But the one for me was, ugh, what is that god-awful stench? I think that'd be bad for us as well. No one wants to hear that. That's a good point. My one for you guys is, we've both found your puzzle box and we've come to ask you about it. (laughs) Nice. My others uh, were none of those, actually. So um, I've got Prince Imhotep thanks you for your hospitality and for your eyes and for your tongue. Oh, Oh, that is good. (laughs) And and then... um, You've unleashed the creature we feared for more than 3,000 years. <laughs> that might be one of those. That is, that is, those, two, oh, those are amazing. Uh, anyway, that moves us over to Em's questions, her personal questions. Yes. In support of answering this film. 
that she doesn't necessarily have to answer herself. But yeah, what do you got there, Em? Okay, so uh, my first question is, uh, if you could come back to life 3,000 years from now and you could resurrect your love, but obviously in doing so, you'd bring about the plagues of Egypt, you'd be a walking disease, like I'm talking coronavirus 2.0, and you would have to have a human sacrifice. So you'd have to find someone to sacrifice to bring back your love. And also, if you would do it, who would you bring back? Obviously, it can be it can be anyone. But, you know, I feel like if Sam doesn't choose Stacey, then, I mean, there's going to be some serious, like, home problems. Well, I could choose <laughs> my know, daughter and completely throw this for a loop. But yeah. at the same time... But then you'd have to sacrifice someone. Oh, so... yeah, I'm happy with that. And I don't mind sacrificing yeah. people. But at the same time... <laughs> At the same time, probably not. Like, I'm really tired enough as it is, and I'm kind of looking forward to death because I'm going to finally get some sleep, which would be amazing. But at the same time, this is after 3,000 years. I hate waking up Stacy in the mornings anyway. Imagine waking up Stacy after 3,000 years. She'd fucking murder me. I'd be like, hey, I brought you back to life, and then she'd kill me. So it would be a complete waste of fucking time. <laughs> and then Stacy would take over the world. Oh, yeah, well, she's probably going to anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd believe it. Yeah, I will be I, her human sacrifice on the path to world glory. I'm telling you now. Uh, yeah, well, 100%. I mean, you're my human sacrifice on the path to world I mean, I'm just going to kill you anyway for all the horrible things you're saying. And I, you won't even need to be sacrificed. I'll be like, oh, no, I'll use someone else for that. But I'll just kill Sam as a Good luck, Liz. You can't murder a fucking legend. That, should, that, that has no relevance on killing you. Uh, um, nah, I would not do that. Why would you do that? It's ridiculous. Like... 3,000 years from now, well, there probably won't even be a fucking planet Earth to come back to. <laughs> this, this, is, this is true. <laughs> Generally speaking, I just the entire thing is madness. What you got next, uh, So I've also got, uh, who do you think the true villain of the movie is? As I've said, I don't believe that Imhotep is the true villain of the movie. So obviously it can't be Imhotep. Who else could be the true mo- uh, the true movie? The true movie. <laughs> the true villain. The true the true villain of this movie. Yeah, I mean the Pharaoh is probably the easiest answer, but I'm going to go with Rachel Weiss. She was the one that wandered into that crypt and basically started reading shit out and brought him back to life and inevitably sure, but she she unleashed everything. I'm going with Benny because I just feel like he was so incredibly selfish the whole time. Leave Benny yeah. alone. <laughs> no, I saw myself too <laughs> much in that character. God damn it! <laughs> Snivelly little yeah. man who's just all about himself and saving himself. I was like, that's me. Yeah, look, Benny. <laughs> Benny was a dick. I just, well, he was just mean. Like, I mean, he's just selfish and a dick, and he, he, yeah, I didn't like him. So there we are. And uh, and my final question. If you were to make a reboot of this movie, who would you cast in the key roles? And, and what would it be about, most importantly? Yeah, so I would like to see a post-apocalyptic film where the mummy's already won and a group of survivors have to get together <laughs> and form a special team to try and undo what he's done sort of thing. So they've, they've worked out that if they take the mummy down, that all of his magic and all this stuff he's created will be undone and you know life will go back to normal and all that sort of shit. So I was imagining Anya Taylor-Joy as their daughter, as Rick and Evelyn's daughter, because uh, she's hot topic at the moment, because <laughs> she's amazing in Queen's Gambit. Um, Joe Carey from Stranger Things, I was imagining him as her love interest, a sort of Rick O'Connell type. But then I went, okay, I'm doing so well on this question, why not fuck it up and make, make it incredibly stupid? So I want Angelina Jolie playing Lara Croft. I want Harrison Ford playing Indiana Jones. <laughs> Oh, this is the you team. Did. You ruined it. I did. I completely ruined it. People can take this out. It was sounding really good. It was so good. It was sounding so yeah. good. But then I was imagining the super team 
of guys all coming together to basically take <laughs> down the mummy. And I want all these old explorers. Um, I'm forgetting Michael Douglas's character in Romance the Stone. He can fuck off. Michael Douglas is a dick. And then Rachel Weiss cameo from her. And then let's get a proper Egyptian as the mummy villain. Let's get Rami Malek. Let's get a recent Oscar winner. Let's have him in there as the as the mummy. Yeah, I was going to go with Rami Malek as well. Um, I want him to be working at the Great Pyramids in, of Giza, you know, just like as a guard or something. And he sees Nina Dobrev, who is Ooh. one of my favorite actresses. She's yeah, so she's beautiful, awesome. yeah. but she's also quite talented. So he sees her going into the pyramids and he's sort of like, he's, he's like, oh my God, she's so pretty and sort of follows her. And they find a secret room in um, the pyramids and they get trapped in there. And as they're trying to find their way out, they inadvertently release the Egyptian chaos demon, Apophis. And he has swarms um, of dicks and. <laughs> no, because I'm going to make Apophis uh, um, Salma Hayek. Oh, I have recently discovered <gasps> is um, Lebanese. So she has that sort of, you know, and, and she's well, part super Lebanese. hot and awesome. Yeah. And I think she could be really cool. I mean, she's so cool. Yes. Yeah, and That'd I thought she could be this sexy chaos demon and just come out and, like, cause chaos. It certainly wouldn't be any worse than this one. <laughs> yeah. You are on such thin ice right now, Liz. I can't even tell you. Couldn't help I'm literally about – I know I know the borders are closed, but I will get to New Zealand. I will find a way. <laughs> like, I'll summon all of the fucking death spirits to get there. Uh <laughs> To, uh, I, I can't even look at you right now. <laughs> That's awesome, Liz. Talking about hot, so, let's move me over to my questions. The first of which <laughs> is there's a lot of comparison between Indiana Jones and Rick O'Connell. Uh, so I want to know from you guys who you guys would win in the Manly Man Triathlon. And so the three events are drinking, fist fighting, and lovemaking. So <laughs> this is going to be interesting for Liz, having she's never, given that she's never seen an Indiana Jones film. But I want you guys to imagine which one would be the best at those three things and then pick your winner. I did do a little bit of research when I saw this question and read a couple of opinions on the internet, so therefore I feel fully qualified to make this decision now. I have decided that Indiana Jones would probably win in the lovemaking because he's a bit smoother than um, Rick O'Connell. I feel like Rick O'Connell might be a bit of a jackhammer, just saying. <laughs> um, but I think that Rick O'Connell will definitely take out the fist fighting. He seems a lot more of a physical kind of guy and bit more brutal and could just really take him down. So it's going to be um, a competition on the drinking, but I'm going to give it to Rick O'Connell. I think he could probably take out Andy on the drinking as well because he is just a bit more of that manly man type thing, could probably handle a few more whiskeys. But Fair Ron enough. Swanson would win out over all of them in all of those categories. Just saying, <laughs> I love Ron Swanson. He would. He absolutely would. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I, I agree with you, Liz, on the drinking. I think that Rick, I think that Rick would win on the drinking. I don't want Harrison Ford fans to think that I'm like shitting on Indiana Jones and that I hate Indiana Jones because I don't hate Indiana Jones. So I'm going to say Indiana Jones would win at a fist fight, but Rick is obviously the better lover, and here's why. <laughs> right. So basically, Evie got that dick, and she liked it so much that she married him. So we know yeah. that he's good. He must be, because Evelyn Carnahan is not going to put up with bad dick. Let's be honest. She has got it all. She's Rachel Voice. She's got it going on. She's got she options. She have any guy. She can have any guy she wants. She chooses this guy. It's clearly because he's a great lover, right? Uh, also, Indiana Jones couldn't actually keep a woman because he was like, he had Marion, he had Willie, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. 
she he did have Willie, genuinely. And, and he had Elsa. And like he couldn't keep any of them satisfied. So kind of feel like based on these facts that Rick's dick is clearly the superior dick. There we go. There we go. There's the long debate answer. Rick O'Connell yep. is better than Indiana Jones. Absolutely. Completely don't agree, but let's keep moving on. Uh, my next question. Uh, I, I thought of this while watching this film, and then I actually watched the Honest trailer for this um, by Screen Junkies, and they sort of raised the same question. I, I want to know from you guys, why the hell did the Pharaoh give Emotep these powers and not just, I don't know, just kill him? Like, okay, I get that they wanted him to live forever in the state of perpetual agony, but at the same time, why give him the control over all these plagues and sand and everything like that? Like, why not just kill him? What are you guys thinking? So not worth it. Like, yeah, I really struggled with that the whole way through the movie as well. I was like, maybe just give him the second worst curse. So that, um, <laughs> you know, it's still really bad. You know, all he did was, like, steal his woman. Like, get a grip, man. It's not worth it. It is a bit ridiculous. But I, I kind of feel like, okay, the pharaoh was pissed. He's like, I want to give this guy the Homdai. Like, it is the worst possible torture that anyone can ever you know, go through, you're going to basically be slowly eaten alive. I want to give you as torturous a punishment as I can possibly do for you touching my woman, right? Mm. So, and I kind of feel like at that point when obviously all of this was happening, they obviously had all of these uh, elements that had to be in place. So you had to have um, the mummy himself, you had to have the Book of the Dead, you had to have the key and all of these like different things. But it's okay because all of these things like the map, the key, all of this stuff, it's literally like never going to be found. So I kind of feel like they they were kind of confident that, you know, yeah, okay, this dude, if he comes back, might be a problem. We'll stick the Magi on a cliff and they can watch over it for 3,000 years just in case. Why did they have a key at all? Yeah. Why not just to, well, make an unopenable door? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's almost like the pharaoh was like, I need to leave this open so I can come and piss on his corpse whenever I want. <laughs> oh, that's probably it. I mean, then why didn't they put the key once he was done pissing on his corpse and he died? They should have, like, flown it to New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, or just <laughs> go and tossed it out in the sea, you know what I mean? Just Sit see it. On it. fire. Yeah, no, yeah like, uh, you Smash know, part up. of the Do ocean Titanic kind of thing. Mm, exactly. Yeah. And moving on to my final question, which is, which character do you guys think most deserved or conversely didn't deserve to die? Because there's quite a few in here that died that I felt a little bit sorry for. I mean, I kind of feel like everyone deserved to die because they're all dumbasses and they shouldn't <laughs> have been playing with fire. But if we're not going to go that brutal, um, I would say who the person who didn't deserve to die, in my opinion, was the professor type guy with the Americans. Yes, The one who was like, you. don't read from the book. And he was the one going... We probably shouldn't open this chest. You know, he was trying. He was smart, yeah. And the person who did deserve to die and really had to die was Benny. Like, he he just was setting himself up to die the entire film. Good point. There yeah. was no way he could have survived it. I kind of feel like Benny, Benny did deserve his comeuppance, and I do kind of feel like that's important because, obviously, Rachel Voice says that he deserves his comeuppance, so therefore he does. But I kind of felt that his character was so kind of cowardly and snivelly uh, and, and a really kind of great foil to Rick. That I know they didn't know there was going to be a sequel at the time they were filming it, but obviously then there was a sequel, and I feel like he should have been in the sequel yeah. <laughs> in some way because I really liked his character, even though he was a complete, you know, cowardly idiot, and then did deserve to die. I was just like the Americans who opened the chest mm. because <laughs> they were told yeah. there was a curse. The professor who was with them told them there was one. I mean, 
And they really they couldn't give a shit about their diggers. Like all the guys that got blasted up, they were just exactly. like, yeah, well. That's the answer. Yeah. They just threw those guys in there as sacrificial lambs. Those guys didn't deserve exactly. to die. They were shitting their pants. That, they don't want to be there. Yeah. They, 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 the Americans were, were dickheads. Absolutely. Absolutely. On to you, Liz. What do you got? So as we've mentioned before, the ancient part of the movie, there's some seriously piss-poor planning and dumb decisions being made. <laughs> Uh, but I'm wondering what you think was the dumbest decision in the more modern part of the film. I kind of think that the dumbest decision was the the whole kind of American team underestimating Evie, literally just because she's a woman. There's even mm. a line in the movie that says, you know, she's a woman, you know, they're led by a woman. What does a woman know? And I mean, that is complete dick move. Um, I mean, okay, fair enough. I will say she does read from the book, but no harm ever came from reading a book ever in the history of time. So I feel like she's kind of justified in her response that no harm ever came from reading from a book. Although I will say that when I do read from the Book of the Dead and I do put this curse upon Liz, uh, it will be the only time that harm came ever from reading from a book because (laughs) I'm literally so close, Liz, to unleashing the plagues of Egypt in New Zealand on you right now. New Makes Zealand sense. needs a bit of a challenge, so fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got it so easy right now. <laughs> yeah, we're doing too well. We need a bit of a challenge. We can manage a plague or two, I'm sure. The one for me that kind of pissed me off was that the Magi rode into town, shooting off the guns, trying to scare off the Americans, and then they were like, by the way, guys, <laughs> funny story, um, if you guys stay here, you're probably going to unleash a curse and kill us all. Bye! Follow through, boys! Follow through! Get them the fuck out of there! <laughs> <laughs> We're fine with you staying there. We just wanted to give you a heads up. Yeah, just, just, right. just a quick heads up. I know we've like rode in our horses shooting everything and scaring the shit out of you. But by the way, we're off. See ya. Yeah, they're doing a fairly shitty job of protection, I have to say. I just um, realised I've left the stove on. We're going to have to cruise. Sorry, it was nice to meet you. <laughs> the thing I thought was really dumb was the fact that the um, Americans all carried around their treasure even after the guys started coming after them. I was like, why would you carry that still? Clearly he's coming for it. So yeah. why don't you leave it in a room with a sign saying, Please take this. It's yours. I don't yeah, want yeah, it yeah. anymore. And then get the fuck out of there. Like, oh, I just thought that was super stupid. Fair enough. But there was a lot of stupidity in that film. Anyway, um, question, what are we at? Like 18 now? Probably. Um, yeah. So I, there were a couple of bits I felt weren't, just weren't expanded on. I was kind of like, oh, why did that happen? How did they know that? Yeah. So I wonder if there were any bits that you felt weren't explained sufficiently well. And I know we touched on it earlier, but I really want to know about the very good time that Rick had. Sort of in between Jonathan stealing the key from the Casper to him being arrested. And I, yeah. I know you mentioned it earlier, Sam. Um, because, and I also want to know, is it something to do with the fact that he's clearly an incredible lover? Because it must be. So, <laughs> I love that you just yeah. managed to bring every single question back to Dick. <laughs> it's every kind of my trademark, question. though, isn't it, on this podcast now. Every single, you know, have me on next for like a really serious, like... I don't know, like a serious Schindler's like, list. Requiem for a dream. <laughs> Schindler's <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll manage to get dicks in at some point, I guarantee. This episode, oh, we're doing God. Bambi. Now, on to. <laughs> well, Bambi's mother obviously got dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's true. The, the, uh, the one for me is I want to know what happened to Emma Tip's lover. I've forgotten how to say her name. But, like, right at the end, she gets. That's one. She gets confronted by those undead guys who basically just start stabbing her and stomping on her. But she's, at this point, kind of like semi immortal. You know, like, I don't feel like they would have killed her or stopped her or anything. Like, what is she up to? And and I also wanted to know why she didn't just run off with him at the start instead of just standing there sacrificing herself, you know, as a way to let him get away. But it's like he's run out of a secret passage. Surely they'd be sweet as in the secret passage. He was. Yeah, actually. I was like, um,. 
that was also piss poor planning. I was like, why didn't you guys just plan this a little better? Like, wait till the far is drunk and then like smuggle her out in a suitcase or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> just smuggle her guys. out in a suitcase. Don't think they are suitcases. Sphinx suitcases. If you're trying to smuggle your lover out (laughs) of town. In a giant urn, okay? (laughs) Smuggle your lover out in a giant urn. Somebody just. The point is. Like for hints, hint, uh, hints and tips from Liz uh, about how to smuggle a lover out of anywhere. <laughs> Just get a giant urn; it'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, on to your last question, Liz. Yeah. So, um, and my final question, nice, quick, snappy one: If you had to personally suffer through one of those plagues of Egypt, which one would you choose? Um, I've been looking. I looked into the plagues of Egypt because I wanted to make sure what exactly the plagues of Egypt were. We've got the, the same answer. Is what I'm hearing. <laughs> um, so I kind of feel like it'd have to be locusts because I can deal with locusts. I can't deal with boils and sores or like any of the any of the others. I'm just like nah. I can deal with locusts. Can, can like, I, don't want, I don't want lice. Why would I want lice? That's disgusting. Okay. Can you so handle locusts. darkness? Because that was one of the plagues, was it was dark for three days. <laughs> like, do you know what? I didn't. I didn't even write that one down. Uh, I, <laughs> I was every single other one of these is fucking terrifying, and then one of them's like, "It's going to be nighttime for three days." <laughs> okay, I feel like awesome. I can nap. Yes, for three days. Awesome. I'm a night owl. This is perfect for me. Uh, and that takes us down to the end. As I mentioned at the start, we've got a listener question. We threw it out there to you guys, our dear listeners, to answer this for us, to basically comment on a poll or give us some answers if you like. And we've got some answers that we'll run through at the ends, but we'll give our answers first. So I want to know from you guys which classic Universal monster, because obviously the mummy is one of the classic monsters from the Universal uh, film company. I want to know from you guys which one do you reckon you could survive an encounter with? And I gave, in the poll, I gave Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, Dracula, Wolfman as the answers because they were the top four on Ranker.com for Universal monsters. But there's other ones. There's like... Bride of Frankenstein, um, you know, The Creature from the Black Lagoon, Phantom of the Opera. There's tons of other ones, so you don't necessarily have to pick one of them. But I want to know from you guys, which one do you guys reckon you could survive an encounter with? Oh, I didn't know Phantom of the Opera was one. I'd definitely go for him because I could imagine us having a tragic love story. But what I was actually going to say was... Dracula, so you'd survive by boning him is what I'm hearing. 100%. <laughs> Got to bring Dex in. So, um, no, I'm actually going to choose Dracula because based on my knowledge of vampires from recent... Uh, pop culture, he'll just spark at me, sparkle at me a little bit and <laughs> it'll be fine. And, you know, I think it could be quite erotic, actually, to have a man bite your neck and suck my blood. So, yeah, I'm going to Dracula. Liz is getting horny. <laughs> See, Emma! You're the one to... No, but, don't tell at me! That's inappropriate. No, but the thing is, is Liz isn't the only one because I agree I would go for Dracula. Wow. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't go for like a Twilight vampire. I would go for like the Gary Oldman Dracula. Um because that is a wonderful obligatory Keanu reference because Keanu Reeves is in that movie and that means I would stand a chance with Keanu Reeves potentially. <laughs> but Gary Oldman as Dracula is really, really sexy. And I kind of feel like he obviously wants to be with Mina for the rest of her life and all of that stuff. I'm I'm just like down. Gary Oldman wants me. I'm 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 kind of there. I definitely do. Uh, I'm I'm there for some some Oldman dick. Fair enough. So, <laughs> not Oldman dick. Oldman dick. There's a big difference. <laughs> I great call. Funnily enough, with you guys, I also have the same answer. And the reason why I have the same answer is I love steaks. I love eating steaks. Like love a good ribeye. I love good sirloin. Love a good rump steak. 
but I quite often season my steak with garlic. And like, think about it, guys. What are Dracula's like two biggest fears? Garlic and steaks. So I'd be fucking perfect. <laughs> perfect. I would be Muffy the Vampire Slayer or Buffy or something. I don't know. <laughs> what was her name again? I would be her. Buffy. Buffy. There we go. What's the- where did Muffy, Muffy come from? Vampire layer, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, that's like we're thinking of Dick and you're thinking of Muff. Muffy yeah. the vampire layer, that would be me. But no, I reckon I could take down Dracula. I might have to go out in sunlight, which is a bit terrifying given how much affinity I have for the dark at the moment, but I reckon I can handle it. And cool. let's go over to our poll. And surprisingly, the winner on the poll is the mummy that got 38.5% of the vote. So I guess people aren't that terrified of a dude wrapped in toilet paper. <laughs> Pretty shit. Uh, Second was Frankenstein's monster. Third was Dracula. And Wolfman came in at fourth. So the mummy had 58.5% of the vote. Frankenstein's monster close with 34.6%. Dracula 21.2%. And the Wolfman way behind at 5.8%. Having a look at the comments for this, you might also like Pod. Great Pod. And also recent Patreon of ours. You're the man, bro. Uh, so the Mew might also like Pod said, me and my garlic powder that I put on everything would destroy the shit out of Dracula. I'm there with you, bro. Paul from the Countdown podcast said, Frankenstein's monster is slow and moves like he strained every part of his body while sleeping on a shitty pillow and a lumpy mattress. So I would rocket launch that son of a mad scientist before it realized what hit him. Pretty good answer. 28 Dan's later said, um, he's actually a pretty nice guy once you get to know him. <laughs> I don't know, man. Bodybuilders are, they're a bit weird. Um, but yeah, they are. But over to Chrisini. Oh, hey, Chris. He'd said he'd have the best luck against the Phantom of the Opera. He pretty much was focused on direct revenge and his girls, not randoms. Duty from Shaken Not Nerd, another awesome podcast you guys should all be listening to, said, I want to say Dracula, but if it's taking place in Egypt, then maybe not because of sun and sand. I'm there with you, Duty. Sun and sand are my two natural enemies. Uh, Steve from Everything I Learned from Movies, another awesome podcast you guys should all be listening to as well. Said, as long as I'm not a little girl or an angry villager, I should be fine. And then he put a gif of uh, Frankenstein's monster. Unfortunately for me, I am both an angry villager and a little girl, so I'd be fucked if it comes to Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> uh, the Canadian Spirit Podcast said, I'm, I'm assuming we're fighting in the same geographic region the monster come from, so I'm going to say Wolfman. He doesn't seem any stronger or faster than a regular man, and they sell silver canes to beat him to death with at the market in town. Very good point. And <laughs> Phil also said, I went with the Wolfman too, just on the family resemblance though. I think he and I would end up rolling a couple of fatties and howling at the moon. <laughs> Good on you, bro. The last one that we had was from Julio of the Contrarians podcast, who said, assuming we're talking classic mummy and not the godlike mummy from the modern films, I'm pretty sure I can prevail. All you got to do is grab one of those bandages and pull, right? That's right, Julio. All you got to do is pull them off and that will be the end of them. <laughs> So much dick in this podcast. I know. <laughs> so much dick. It's not even me. Like, I know you guys are blaming me, but it's you two are just oh, as bad as A lot of me. it. A lot of God. it is you, but yeah, there is some. You bring my dick out, Em. That's the <laughs> That is an interesting <laughs> Freudian slip. That <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I <mean>. Who? <laughs> Fuck. All right, I've got, to, I've got to end this. Em, tell everyone about Verbal Diorama. Tell everyone about your amazing <laughs> podcast, and then we'll end it. We'll cease the I dicking. mean, I, I will... <laughs> I will say uh, I don't talk about dick on my podcast, so obviously clearly I need uh, an outlet for dick, and that's why I come on uh, Movie Reviews and 20 Qs, because you allow me to talk about dick. Sure. Um, but uh, so Verbal Diorama is all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. I like to basically take a little bit of a deep dive into all of these wonderful movies, uh, a lot of which are quite underappreciated. Uh, I like to 
basically just like to focus on what I like to focus on. I have done an episode on the mummy. It was one of my earlier episodes. So, I mean, the quality is probably a little bit uh, contentious. Um, but <laughs> I mean, my quality is always a little bit contentious. But um, yeah, I'm I'm just so delighted that you've you've let me on and you've let me loose, just like Imhotep. <laughs> you've uh, you've kind of let me loose onto onto your podcast world yet again after Pacific Rim, and I'm, I'm very grateful. But yeah, anyone who wishes to find Verbal Diorama, it's uh, in your podcast app of choice, uh, wherever you get your podcast from, I guess. And yeah, if you want to find me on social media, then you can find me on social media at Verbal Diorama on like Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. And uh, yeah, talk to me about the mummy. Uh, I mean, as long as you like it, if you Liz, then I mean, don't. Uh, but, but, <laughs> oh, no, I'm quite happy to never bring this movie up in conversation ever again. I'm going to DM you constantly and I'm going to talk to you about the mummy until you block me on Twitter. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to respond by telling you even more ways why it's shit. Jeez. I wonder if the I mean, contrarians I you... have done a podcast about it where I can just pull some information. <laughs> <laughs> also, I just I just wanted to to mention as well that um, I am also a very proud patron of Movie Reviews in 20 Qs because are. I recently became a patron. And, um, and I'm really happy that I became a patron of this podcast. I wanted, I tell you what, I wanted to become, um, you know, like a special patron. I know you've only got so many. Mm. I was really disappointed because I was like, I'm going to become a special patron. Oh, there's shit. There's none left. <laughs> so I like completely missed the boat on that. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, I, I think this is a wonderful podcast and uh, I love you guys. I love what you do. But um, yeah, uh, thank you for letting me come on. Thank you for letting me talk about Dick. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. I love getting good dicking on this podcast. Uh- <laughs> Jeez Louise. Oh, fuck it. I know I've got to stop this. Uh, talking about Patreons, yes, you've become a recent patron of ours. We are so thankful for that. That is so awesome. Uh, a couple of other people have also become recent Patreons, including Luke Spalding. Nerdrovert uh, has also become a recent Patreon, as well as Tom Green. So thank you to you guys, man. Like, like as I said, we do this for fun, but and your money just goes back into the p- podcast. It helps us buy a new gear, pays for our hosting, all that sort of stuff. Like, we don't, we're not in this to make money either. I'd love to never have to work another day again in my life and just do fucking movie reviews and 20Qs all day. But it basically means that, uh, yeah, it keeps the podcast going and it's, it's awesome. Thank you so much to you guys for joining us. And also thank you to these guys for joining us. Em, you've said amazing things about your own podcast. And like, I only have people on here whose podcasts I listen to. I love listening to your apps. If somebody wants to listen to a, like a very well-documented discussion about a film, it's trivia, how it got made, how everyone was involved, you know, what happened with the film when it came out, all that sort of stuff. Yours is the podcast, really. It's like a definitive depiction of everything surrounding a movie, not just a deep dive into the plot. And I just, yeah, I love it. It's a really good podcast. Thank you. No problems. No, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll make sure that I uh, PayPal you that money. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> just send me some distasteful you know, nudes that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just distasteful. Yes, distasteful. You don't want tasteful. <laughs> Fuck that. This podcast isn't tasteful at all. Um, Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Also, let me segue on to someone who is a little bit more tasteful. Uh, Liz, thank you again for joining us. You've been amazing, even in your hungover state. Oh, that's so kind of you to say, Sam. I think it's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, and I'm sure you'll take it back in just one moment. Yeah, I'm not even drunk. I don't know why I'm being so nice. It's maybe because I'm hungry and I want to get out of here. Uh, so <laughs> maybe I just look so pitiful. You're like, I just can't even be mean to her anymore. I've actually closed, the, um, minimized that window so I don't have to look, look at you. So maybe that's why I'm being so nice. Um, the, <laughs> anywho, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email at MRIT. Oh, <laughs> if you want to get in hold of us. I love you guys. 
Yeah. You're so brilliant. I love it. <laughs> if you want to get a hold of us, send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Movie Reviews in 20 Qs or on Twitter where we're our most prolific at Movie Reviews in. Had a lot of good feedback on some of our episodes lately that I'm very thankful for. It's awesome to hear how much you guys are enjoying them. And especially because we had a month off and it was kind of like, oh, I wonder if we're still going to have the same audience that we had before and we've come back and some of our episodes have been the most downloaded uh, that we've had for the first day of release. So it's, it's pretty awesome. We are very thankful. So upcoming episodes, Kahu and Machu want to come back and they've kind of decided on doing 21 Jump Street which I'm pretty keen on doing. St. Trinian. <laughs> I, I knew Saint. you were going to go there. Anyway, that's thanks for I me. Was <laughs> I was like, Liz is going to say St. Trinian. You're so predictable, Liz. You are so predictable, Liz. Anyway, just that's like it. That's movie. enough of us. Just like the mummy. No, no. <laughs> Um, I just I can't what? wait for listeners of your podcast coming over here and being like, oh, so this is what she's really like. Interesting. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to movie reviews and twenty cues. A nice, uh, thoughtful, pensive look at the mummy, and you know, really exactly, you know, incisive, deep cuts. Issues. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all dick and dick action here, guys. Too much dick action for him. <laughs> Moving on. I wonder what's under his robes, though. And that's the end of our dick action. What, what's yeah, our next wow. question? <laughs> Obviously, I came on last time for Pacific Rim, and that turned into, like, penis jokes. And I was like, look, I need to take this seriously. I'm coming back on movie reviews in 20 Qs. I need to stay away from the dick jokes. Like, just don't go there. And You've gone it, there every question. I just can't. You just embrace the dick, Em. <laughs> Grab it with both hands and embrace the dick. <laughs> Literally, like, how many dicks am I going to give this movie? Two billion dicks. <laughs>